Well, good morning, everyone. Woo! That's a lot of announcements. I tell you, we do need your help with Breakfast with Sand. I think we have 400 gifts that we need to buy for parents. And so if you can help in any way, that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, it's such a great event for foster families and for their children. What I love about the event is that we help the children, uh, you know, get gifts for their parents. So we want to teach these children how to love, how to give, how to be selfless. And it's just a wonderful thing. And so all of your participation would be greatly appreciated. Hey, open up your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We started this series last week, and Taryn did a good job just opening up and giving some background. And, and this is like one of my favorite books in the Bible. And when you start looking at just the background of it and why Titus went there in the first place um, and, and why Paul sent him is really unique because Paul heard about this place that was full of pirates. And the island of Crete, if you look at the island of Crete, it's just situated right here in the Mediterranean and and, and it, it, it's on these little sh- uh, shipping lanes from Greece to uh, Lebanon and Israel, from Italy all the way down to Egypt. And so right here sits the island of Crete. And you go back a, a thousand years, and Crete had 90 cities, and all of them flourishing and large. But by the time Paul hears about this island, there are only 40 small villages And they're all at war with each other. What happened to that island? Because somebody at some point thought this is going to be a great place to operate a new business. And it became a pirate's haven. So all of the ports were taken over by pirates. The whole island was taken over by pirates. And everyone there lived like pirates, and all of the rest of the world excluded them. And so all of their resources are now drying up. And so now they're starting to steal and take from each other. Paul, in chapter 1, which Taryn covered last week, said, I heard this reputation about you, that all Cretans are despicable people and a bunch of liars. And I have found it to be true. Now, here's our question for the day. How do you transform a bunch of pirates and turn them into spiritual leaders? It was devastating the whole island. And it wasn't just the men of the island. Because that was the, really the only way of making money is if you went down to the port, you got on a ship, you became a pirate, and you went and robbed other vessels in all of those shipping lanes. You took all of their stuff, you killed if you had to, and you decided you can trust no one. And so the whole island was run by these pirates. Now imagine what those homes were like. When... When these pilots, pirates lived, they, you know, they, their god was Zeus. And Zeus uh, made his reputation on, I'm stronger than any man and I can get any woman that I want. And his reputation took him from being a man to being a god. And he would lie if he had to and everybody looked up to him. And so this, this mythology, this New God, Zeus, who was born on the island of Crete, they say, and became larger than life. Every man wanted to be like him. And so these pirates had their own little 
you know, pirate code. And, and it is real. And it's, first of all, you swear your life to abide by the code. It's like, you're going to be a pirate, and if you're going to interact with us, you're going to do what we say and do what we do, and if you don't, you will be eliminated. You take what you can. If you can get away with it, you do it. And you lie to protect what is yours. And you're not nice, and you're not giving. You're just deceptive. And so, you know, there was no... We, they've dug up the records of the island and, and the laws of the island. And you know, divorce was not a problem on the island of Crete. There rarely, rarely was ever a divorce. But what was prevalent was cheating. It was expected that no man would be faithful to his wife. And the women didn't like it. And so they ditched the traditional role of a woman in a home. And they started having casual sex and going to parties. And the ones who suffered the most on that island were the children. They even passed laws that said, if parents did not want to have their children, they could kill them and suffer no penalty. The only penalties they would be owed is if one of the spouses didn't want the children and wanted to just get rid of them or kill them, and the other spouse did want them. To get rid of a child before, or, or to kill them, without asking permission or, or getting the approval of the other spouse meant that you had to pay a small fine. Other than that, it was awful. And so only the strongest survived, and that started with the children. And so now the children who were all over the streets and abandoned were now taken up and taught how to pickpocket, how to rob, how to people are going to not be looking for you as much as they are the adults. And then they went into these training camps and taught to be these mercenary soldiers. And that's who would be at battle. Trust no one. The weak are left behind. Don't get caught. Yield to no one. Trust nobody, especially your neighbor, because he's a pirate too. And so it was it, all this infighting. The villages were at war with each other. Homes were at war. The man was off being unfaithful. The wife was off being unfaithful. The children were left to fend for themselves. And the island, if you will permit me to say this, is going to hell. They were, they were such a great island. But now it's awful. And Paul can't stand it. So he goes to the island. He takes an assessment. He says, it's true. And then he gets this young man named Titus. And he says, Titus, I'm going to leave you here on this island. And you have to turn these pirates into spiritual leaders. And he was scared to death. <laughs> and he didn't know how to do it. So Paul writes what you have in your Bible called the book of Titus as an outline of how do you transform a city, a nation, a place that's going in the wrong direction and get them to turn around. Now, it was really good timing because all of the rest of the world was tired of Crete also. The Roman world was ready to just take them over. They had already cut off all the lines so that all the supplies, they'd already made sure that all the other vessels were safe. And so the island of Crete was slowly dwindling and, and devouring themselves. They knew they needed to change. 
They just didn't know how to go about it. So Paul says, okay, Titus, I'm going to help you. So in Titus chapter 3, verse 9, Titus takes his best shot, and this is what he does. And he starts getting involved in all these conversations, arguing about religious matters. And Paul says, don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or quarrels or fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If you want to say, you know, how do I transform a nation? How do I, let's just start smaller. How do I transform my house? If you think you're going to get it accomplished by arguing, you're wasting your time. You know, well, I can't get him to, well, I can't get her to, and they never listen, and she doesn't change, and so we're at each other, and we're arguing, and we think, maybe we'll get somewhere just by out-arguing the other. Does that work? No. Paul said, stop it. Just stop the arguments. Stop trying to prove your point, even if it's spiritual. That's not how you transform people into Christian, godly behavior. You take a very different approach. So here's his three-point outline. The first thing he says is the first thing you got to do is you got to turn strong pirates into spiritual elders. Now, you got an outline. If you want to follow along and fill in the blanks, you can. So you got to turn strong pirates into spiritual elders. Now, these elders, it's not just the older and the wiser Man, it's people who will grab hold of something new, something better, something godly, and walk it, talk it, and live it. So how do I do that? And Paul has Titus, and Titus is like, I'm scared to death. He doesn't even want to go down to the ports. He doesn't want to talk to the pirates. But he's like, the first thing you got to do is you got to start with the toughest. You got to go to the biggest, baddest pirates around and you got to lead them to the Lord. If you can't get them, don't expect anybody else to follow you. And so, in chapter 1, verse 9, he said that you have to go after, you have to run after these men and teach them to live blameless. He said, you must, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he'll be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. No weak man is going to do that. So he's like, you got to go down, and the people that you're avoiding, you're hiding out in the corner having conversations about, you know, just pet, pedigree. You're wasting your time. You go down to the docks, and you find the men who are the strongest that nobody wants to mess with, and you start with them. And you tell them why. And then you teach them a different way. And he knows they're looking for a different way. They're not happy. Their spouses aren't happy. Their homes aren't full of joy. Their children are crying on empty streets at night. Nobody likes this. And you have to start with somebody. So the first call is to these strong men. And they have to hold strongly... To what they're taught. Well, what were they taught? One, six through eight. These, among other, live a blameless life. Be faithful to his wife. No one was faithful to their wife. No one was living a blameless life. That, that man did not exist on the island of Crete. And so he had to teach them how to do that. And get them to buy into it. Have his children not be wild or rebellious. 
Go find them and bring them home and teach them something different. Don't be arrogant or quick-tempered, not a heavy drinker, not violent or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. That guy did not exist on the island of Crete. Right? You robbed from your neighbor. You didn't invite him over for dinner. Right? Live wisely and live a disciplined life. So he's like, the first thing you have to do is you have to go find these kind of men. And you have to go get the biggest and baddest. Because if you change them, when someone comes up to oppose them, they'll defend it strongly. And nobody will want to oppose them. In other words, you'll use their influence to transform more and more people. Right? So that was the first thing. Then, this is chapter 2, where we are today. Build solid, supporting, spiritual relationships. I tried narrowing it down, and I don't know how to narrow all of that stuff down. But that's the, we need supporting relationships. And it's like, that's the second thing you have to do. Now you've, you've run after a few, you're looking for a few good men. And it starts with them. And now you've got to transform the home. And it's going to take everybody coming together to make that happen. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. And so that's what, I love this message, you know, today. I love this book because it's so simple and it's so practical. And, and he's not trying to get you to buy into the right theology as much as he's trying to get you to buy into the right living that reflects the right theology. Right? Isn't it one thing to believe something and another thing to walk it out, to live it? I mean, I can say, let no one else some speech come out of your mouth, but such as that is edifying for others. It's easy to believe that, and it's hard to do when someone cuts you off in traffic. Right? Or when they're just yelling at you, and they're not making any sense, and you know, I could just shut them down right now. And we just want to. And he's like, at some point, you have to be disciplined enough to not waste your time in all that meaningless kind of back and forth bickering and start living what you practice, what you preach. Okay, then he begins to break it down. Now, he's going to divide everybody up into into groups. And he's going to start with the older men. So... If you're 50 or older and male, I think there are a couple, two genders. If you're 50 and older and you're a man, raise your hand. Let me see where all of my 50 and older. Be proud of it. I'm 61. I can handle it. Come on, there you go. So this first part is just for you. He's looking at you, and this is what he is saying. Teach the older men to exercise self-control. You have to be the first ones to provide a safe place. You are the safe place to be. You don't, you don't use your strength, Mr. Pirate, to back people down. You don't make your wife walk the plank if she doesn't have dinner ready for you when you get home. You don't smack around your children just because you think you can. It's time to live differently. Exercise self-control and be worthy of respect. Live in a way so that your wife, your, the neighbors, 
your boss, your co-workers, your children say, that's the kind of man I want to grow up and be like. And live wisely. Make wise decisions in, in how you talk and how you walk and what you say and where you put your energy. And they must have sound faith and be filled with love and men. Say this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All men at the same time on the count of three. One, two, three. Woo! <laughs> that's the women clapping. That's like, see, that's like, that's like, we know you older men. It's like, you know, you're retiring and you're going home and your wife is like, would you find a hobby and get out of my house? My, you are, I'm ripping my hair out of my head trying to deal with you every day because you need a little bit more of this. Right? And so guys, those of you who are older, our job, our job is to first be self-controlled in everything and then be worthy of respect. And if there's something that we're doing wrong, we should be approachable. And at the end of the day, we should be living a life that, is, that other people want to emulate and be like. We should make wise decisions. We should have sound faith. You should be in the word of God. You're... Your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, your boss, your children should catch you in the Word of God all the time. I've shared this before, but I have a friend named Mike Mack and his wife, Kay. Uh, I can still remember this was in the 90s when she came up to me, and we were just having fun, and I just said to her, you know, I love your husband. He worked for UPS. He was one of the top five in that company and, uh, and so he had a very powerful position, and, and he, was a, he was a lawyer, and he was a businessman. I mean, he's blah, 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 blah. And he could do all of that, and people followed him all over the world. He made decisions, and blah, 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 blah. But I said, I really love your husband. And she said, he's the best man I know. She said, the other night, I was sleeping, and... And for whatever reason, I woke up, and he wasn't in the bed. It was like 2.30 in the morning or so, and she's like, I couldn't find him. And so I went downstairs, and there he was walking around his desk with a prayer list in his hand, praying for our family and our daughters, you know, his business. And I said, what did he say when you walked in the room? She said, oh, no, no, no. No, I just went back to bed, and I slept very well knowing I was married to a godly man. Come on, men. That's us. That's who we are. That's who we need to be. That's what we need to reflect. And we'll make a lot of headway in this nation of ours that needs a lot of transformation. If we'll take the lead and start living the godly lives that God's calling us to, amen. And he doesn't stop there. Okay, similarly, teach the older women. Where are my older women? So older women, I'm not going to call an age out, but if, you re if you're an older woman, then there you go. So here you go, older women. Now listen, I apologize up front that so much of what he has to say has to be about how you need to tame your tongue, but that's what it's going to really get down to. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Everything falls under that heading. In everything you do, honor God, honor God, honor God, honor God. They must not slander others. I know it's easy. I know, I know you're good at it. 
right? And, and, and you're smarter than the rest of us. And so you get things that we don't see. My wife's eyes are open to things that I don't see way before mine are. And she's like, Rick, what were you thinking? And all I can say is, oh, 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 oh. I, I don't know, right? Right? And so I know it's easy. And, and God made you that way. But don't, don't use your speech to belittle just we, we, I know we try to be all tough, but we're not. And one slanderous word from you ruins our heart. One encouraging word from you makes us want to go conquer the world. Don't be a heavy drinker. Apparently these women love to get together and drink their wine. And have fun talking about how bad other people were. Isn't it great that... We're not like them. Instead, they should teach others what is good. Know what is good. Reflect what is good. Practice what is good. And teach what is good. Help, especially these younger ladies who are trying to figure it out. They're trying to learn how do you balance life and a husband and kids and stuff. How do you do it? It's like you need to just help them surround them, cover them, love them, run after them. And these older women must train the younger women. And so there you go. There's your whole list. All the, the older men had a big old list. The older ladies, you have a big old list. Where are my, where are my younger ladies? Oh, hell, the younger ladies. Oh, they Val, you sure are a young lady. So all the young ladies, all the young married ladies, all the single ladies, all the, all the there's a song in there somewhere. Titus chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. Train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. Remember, the women on this island abandoned that. And once the home broke down, everything broke down. And the men played a role in that, and they had to fix it. But the women also have a role in that. And he's like, man, love your husbands, love your husbands, love your husbands, love your husbands and the children. I'm not even going to get into all the ways that how we're supposed to do that. You know, older women teach the younger women how to really love their husbands well. Because the, 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 the same struggle for the, is, for the younger women is the same as you. They're ahead of us in maturity. They're ahead of us. They just get things faster than we do. And so they're always constantly feeling like, should I say something or should I not say something? Should I fix him or should I let it go? And they're constantly just <laughs> on that tension. But teach them how to love their husbands right and how to love their children. To live wisely and be pure. Now, I could have all the men say, hey, do men struggle with purity? And all the men in here would mumble, mm-hmm, amen. Right? We won't say it out loud because we don't really want you to know it. But this is, do women struggle with purity? Okay, so you're even worse with it than men are. I just, okay. So nobody wants to admit that we all struggle with pure minds and pure hearts, pure motives, pure actions, pure words. He says, but listen, be wise and be pure. Work in your home and do good. Make your home a safe place. And do you notice how often he's using this word good? And to be submissive. Should I just skip over that part? (laughs) 
then they'll not bring shame on the word of God. I'm just, I'll skip over it, but I'm going to pause for a minute because you need to know how big this is to the heart of God. Oh, I don't need cheap comments from, I don't need, I don't know. I know, Deborah Freeland is up. You're so funny. You take that role seriously, don't you, Deborah? Uh, <laughs> oh, it's his fault. If I don't do it, it's all his fault. Probably. Probably. I'm not even going to say anything else. Okay. Then he finally gets to the younger men. Where are all my younger men? Uh, come on. Raise your hand. Younger men, stand up, younger men. Stand up. If you're under the age of 40, stand up. Men, come on. Here we are. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Yeah. Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Listen, he had a whole big long thing for all the women and all the older men and all the younger women. He's got a big old long list for you, younger men. Here it is. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Think before you act. That's all you've got to do. He's like, I can't give them a long list. They can't handle it. They're young men. One thing, just one thing. And if you'll start doing this, we'll make a lot of headway in our homes and in our city. All right, be seated. Give them a hand. Let me tell you something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, it's so true, though, isn't it? <laughs> this church is full of young men with high integrity. I don't, I'm laughing, and, you know, I'm, I'm at your expense a little bit, but I'm so proud of you. Those of you who are young men, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the way you live. I'm so proud of what's important to you in your heart. I'm so proud of the way you support your wives. I was so proud of the way that you're really running after God with all your heart. You're not perfect, and you know it, but you're just, I love you. Thank you. And we have unbelievable young women who are just smart. They are world changers. We're, this church is so blessed to have the people that we have. And then he speaks to those that are spiritual leaders and those that are spiritual workers. And so he says, and, and to yourself, he said, and, and to you, Titus. He's talking to Titus, but he's really including, if you're a leader in any way, if you're one of our small group leaders, or if you're one of our uh, uh, dream team leaders, or if you're on any committee or any other kind, and just, just be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. I love this next sentence. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of what you believe. If you really believe it, then please live it out every day because people are watching and they're following. And if they see you not taking it seriously, then there's no hope for real transformation. So those of you who are leaders... And probably a lot of people in here report to someone and have other people reporting to them at work. 
or you're on a team and you lead a team. You're, you're a follower and you're a leader. And he's like, here it is, this good word again. But it's example and good works. And just from the inside out, let's take this serious. Seriously. And then teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Run after the truth, run after the truth, run after the truth. Not just with your mind, but with all of your actions. And let it follow. And then he starts talking about those who are workers. Now he uses this word slaves. Now, on the island of Crete, there, there wasn't a, it like what we had in America and the way that we view slavery. It's not that at all. It's that people were paid to go do work for other people. You would, we would call them employees. And so he's like, okay, everything you do, somebody else owns your time and owns what you're supposed to be doing from nine to five or whatever. And so I want you to view this really as workers more than as slaves. Always obey their masters. If you're working for somebody else, obey them. Look at this. Do your best to please them. Do your best to please them. Be the best worker. Be the hardest worker. Don't cut corners. I watched some people across the street the other day digging, you know, this little sidewalk on the other side of our street. And their boss dropped them off and drove away, and they sat down, and they didn't work for over an hour. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I don't know why that bothered me. But I just thought, is that us? Is that, I mean, if I can, am I living like a pirate? If I can get away with it, that's what I'm going to do. Am I only full of integrity when you're watching? So do your best to please. They must not talk back or steal, but show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about our God and Savior attractive in every way. And that's the goal. We want to make Jesus Christ attractive to people. And so, transform the island of Crete. Now next week, this is, this is the third thing, and it's really only for next week. Introduce people to the grace of God. That's what we're going to talk about next week. That is the most, that's the hub, that's the center, that's the foundation, that's the first point, the last point, and everything in the middle. Introduce people to the grace of God, which there, there weren't people living under the grace of God. Okay, lessons for us. Here are just three things. Number one, transformation takes strong leadership. I believe right now I'm just going to kind of pause and I want you just to ask, okay, Lord God, how do you want this word to fall on me? How do you want the message from the book of Titus to land in, in my ear, in my mind, and in my integrity? And I believe that there are some of you in here who know you, God is calling you to be strong and to take a strong stand in what you believe. And I think that this call is something that God resonates inside your heart. And so you'll have to begin asking, is that you? Transformation takes strong leadership. Where are you being called to take a strong stand for God? In what environment? Is it just with your group of friends on the weekend? Is it when you go out partying at night? Is it at work? Is it in your neighborhood with your neighbors? Is it here at church? Is it in a small group? Where is he asking you to take strong leadership, to speak up, and to walk with integrity? That's the first thing it's going to take. And so I'm just, I just want to pause. Is that you? Is, is there something inside you right now that God is stirring? Because you know I should be, 
I should not be as passive. I should be a little more intentional with my influence. Then number two, we all have a role in spiritual development. And I'm glad Titus broke it down for us. Older men, and he gave us a list. Older women, he gave us a list. Younger women, younger men, leaders, men and women, workers, men and women, all of us have a role. And it's going to take all of us. You know, but, you, but what is your role? And maybe what you do is you just take the list, you take the word of God, you take what Titus is saying today, and you begin to write out what are the one, two, or three things that you need to do that you want to start acting on differently. If you don't know where to start, ask your spouse. They'll help you, right? Or ask a good friend, or go to your parents, or ask your children. But, but be intentional. I just, it was, you know, in the 80s, I got married in 81, and, uh, and so I, was not, I just was not a good man. I didn't live as a good man. I wasn't a godly man. I didn't know how to be a godly man. And I found three other guys, and we got together, and, and I told them, look, I don't know how to be a godly man. You know, my wife just wants me to stop fighting, you know, and, and I need to know how to lead my home in the Lord, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so we said, we need to get a book. So we got this book by J. Oswald Sanders called Spiritual Leadership. And in that, early in the book, around pages 22 to 25, there was this assessment that you could take to find out how spiritually minded were you, how, how godly were you in your actions and behavior. And I took that assessment and failed it miserably. And I didn't tell anybody. I mean, the, the other three guys in my group knew. But I kept it to myself. But I sat on a path. I owned a little painting company at that time. And I sat on a path. I'm going to be a different man. And one at a time, I tried knocking those things out and transforming. It's, it requires a lot of intentionality. And for me, it required me being honest with a few people who would hold me accountable. And that which is why we do small groups. And, so, and these men wouldn't let me get away with anything, and they constantly challenged me. And then I told my wife, you know, you have permission to speak into my life more than anybody. And, and she's good at it, and she's gentle with me. And I, this, this is just, we, we all have a role, but you have to be intentional. And then finally, and I don't want you to forget this, the goal is to spiritually transform our city. That's why Paul went there in the first place. He looked at the island of Crete and he said, this place is horrible. This island is terrible. And people are falling apart. Marriages and families are falling apart. And they're all at war with each other. And if we don't introduce these people to the grace of God, there's no hope for them. And he couldn't stand it. He had to go and he had to send Titus. So my challenge for us is this really isn't even about you. It's about you as the, at a beginning point. But after that, we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to transform our city in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we have to start looking outside of us. That's why we're doing some of these ministries that we're doing. We have to get outside of us. God wants our city transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. 
He wants our nation transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray he uses us to accomplish that. Okay. Tyler, if the word you and the worship team will go ahead and come on up. Let's go ahead and, and uh, give this message to God. I don't want to just rush out of here. We spend this time, if you're new, if this is maybe one of the first times that you visited us, we have communion set up on the front and in the back. And so before we really rush out, I want to call you to a response. I want to, what is it in you that needs to change, that needs to transform? Have you never accepted Jesus? Do you not know that he is the way, the truth, and the life? That's your beginning point. If, if, and so that's what I want to call you to. And there are some response cards. In the, and you can, in the pew rack in front of you, and you can fill that out and get it to us. We will partner with you so that you can really begin a walk with Jesus. And maybe you have, and maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. But you know there's some things that have to change. My, my, my spouse knows it. My parents know it. My children know it. My friends know it. And my secret group knows it. But there's some things I need to change. And so I, I just right now in your mind, just, just breathe. I know we're about to go out, and, but don't grab your keys. Don't grab your phone. Don't start making plans about lunch. This is the time when God's speaking to you. Let him speak individually into your heart. And I just want to have us a prayer. And then at the end of that prayer... Uh, communion is available and you can get up and go to the front or the back and let's share in communion with each other. You may choose to sit and just offer your own prayer to God. But this is a time where I want you just to run after God with all your heart before we just run you know, out to our lives. Okay? So let's bow. Let's pray.